You know, a year ago we gathered together for Christmas Eve 2019. And and while we had challenges in our life back then, certainly, you know, none of us could have anticipated what was coming, what was coming up for this year, what this year 2020 would hold for us. But the year 2020 will soon be in our past. And you know, for most of us, it can't come a moment too soon. And this has been a year It's been a year of difficulty of so many different levels for so many different people. Now, you might be walking through what seems to be a a hopeless situation right now during this Christmas season. Many people are. But if you continue to cast your gaze and focus your heart upon Jesus, you will not be disappointed. And perhaps it might be years later when we look back one day and we can appreciate from that hindsight view maybe what God has done during these times, during this 2020 season. Maybe we'll look back and we'll see how God has has brought us through and was blessing us and caring for us in ways that we just had no imagination of. Now, even though we're still meeting in a very non-traditional way, This year, we're still together as members of the family of Christ. And that's what's important. This year, the tradition of old, we've put them aside for the sake of safety. And this Christmas Eve, I want to encourage all of us to make it one that's going to be a very personal one-on-one time with God. Since we're not joining together in a sanctuary and lighting candles at the end, but instead we're doing things differently. We're doing things virtually. Make this a time when you can spend some intimate time with God. Even though the surroundings may have changed, the reason we gather has not. Jesus, who is the Christ, who is the Savior of the world, is here. And the promises that God has given to us have been fulfilled. And they were fulfilled 2,000 plus years ago. So I want to encourage you to keep that in the forefront of your mind. I want to start off tonight with a scripture. Kind of sets the the tone. It kind of sets the stage for what, what it is that we're celebrating tonight. And this scripture comes from the book of Micah. It comes from Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. A reading from Micah 5, 2 to 4. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, Out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty 
of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Merry Christmas, everyone. I love you. Thank you, Sue. You know, this scripture that Sue read for us reminds us that um, God had made these promises eons ago. And that through these promises, we would have a great victor, a great king, and that he would usher in to the world a reign of justice. Justice for the poor, peace for all, and there would be no more hardships at the coming of his kingdom. And that when his kingdom is set forth in full, you and I would be with him in his presence in the kingdom of God for all of eternity. You know, God's plan here unfolds. And it's something that we need to remember. That God hasn't abandoned us. Even though the situation in the world today might be difficult, it might be challenging, but God, 2,000 plus years ago, fulfilled the promise that he made to us through the prophets of old. Now I'd like us to listen to another scripture. And this one comes from the book of Luke. Book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke 1, 26 through 35. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greetings this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Thank you, Leanne. That was, it's a beautiful scripture reminding us that, again, the promises of God are some that we can hold on to, we can, we can remain faithful to, because God doesn't let his people down. The angel Gabriel announces to Mary that, uh, you know, even though you're a virgin, you've been chosen to usher in God's Son, whose kingdom won't end, and that she will be blessed among women and always known as the mother of the Christ. You know, Mary gives up her life in order to fulfill the will of God. And she accepts her place in the plan of God's salvation, fully knowing that it would be tremendous in its cost to her personally. And now a reading from the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke 2, 1-20, King James Version. 
And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord had made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph in the babe, lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all that heard it, wondered of these things which they were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You know, in this scripture, we're reminded that Mary pondered these things in her heart. I wonder if that's not the approach that you and I should be taking this year. Maybe we should just ponder the gift that God has given to us through the birth of his son and what his son came into the world to do, to help us, to rectify our problem of sin that separates us from God. I know that this year we're not meeting in the sanctuary and we're not all gathered together and many of us are sitting in our homes with our spouse or another loved one or family and friends. But I think in the forefront of our minds as we celebrate the birth of Jesus this year, let's think about it. Let's ponder it as Mary did. You know, I've often wondered what it would be like if when Joseph and Mary were there, if, if all of a sudden they went to pick up the baby Jesus and they saw this beautiful note, a letter from God, what would it say? 
wonder if God would tell us what the plan is. I think this is what he would say. In those days that I created the world, I knew that the creation would be filled with pain and suffering and sin. I knew that the creation would be also a place of beauty and elegance and wonder and excitement. For nothing that I have ever created is imperfect, but all perfect, even if you do not understand it. In the beginning, I took six days to create a wondrous place filled with perfect purpose, perfect peace and love. In fact, love was the foundation of the creation in all that I've ever done. So I created in love. First, I created light so that all things could be seen and appreciated for what they are. Light brought an openness to the creation. Secondly, I created a great expanse called sky. Sky was to surround the earth, to define the boundaries, and to act like a frame around a priceless piece of art. It was part of my signature. And thirdly, I made the waters and the vegetation. I made them to grow and to be beautiful and to provide neat, the needed resources for many that will be there in the future. And fourthly, then I created the stars, beautiful lights, worlds of the unknown, my creativity unleashed. And fifthly, I put life into the seas and onto the ground. It was a paradise streaming with life. So much life that, I, that it created a place for all to live in. It created a place of harmony so that all could experience all that I had planned for them. And sixthly, I created my masterpiece, man, made in my own image. He was able to think, to reason, to experience joy, hope, and my holiness. And on the seventh day I watched, and I enjoyed and I saw that all that was created was perfect and filled with my love. When I created man out of my great love, I created life in my own image, in the image of perfection, deity, and love. When I created Adam, I created him with all of the characteristics of myself. He was perfect, yet human, the same, but less, an image, but different. As an artist expresses his love through paint, I expressed mine through flesh and blood, perfect, yet imperfect. The love that I created Adam with had the ability to choose. 
And Adam was created having free will to make his own choices. You see, love is partly a choice. You can choose to love or you can choose not to. Humankind today has has become so familiar with the choice not to. You know it as hate. Hate is simply a word that is used to describe the absence of love. Just like cold is a word used to express the absence of heat. Adam had love in his heart, but like mine, he struggled with the aspect of choice. He struggled with free will. Now this was not unexpected, but actually part of the growth process for what I created in my own image. And I've, I've never chosen unwisely or sinfully. And my love is sacrificial, always putting others before myself. Adam chose himself, though, first, long before he ever ate of the forbidden fruit. But love is meant to be shared, thus my motivation to create life. I wanted to fulfill the love that I am by sharing myself with others and let others share the love that is in themselves. Adam and I had a perfect relationship, but the love in his heart was bursting to be brought forward. So I created for him a partner with which to share. Eve was a beautiful example of myself also, made in my image, yet different than man. She knew love and expressed love in other ways than Adam. And she was a pure joy to both of our hearts. But the love inside of her encompassed free will and choice also. And she was free to make her own decisions on how she would live, how she would express her love. And she, like Adam, was completely free to choose the direction of her life. Now, all of my creation was beautiful and perfect. The heavens, the earth, the living creatures, the angelic realm, and humankind. But for love to be perfect, it has to be free. Love has to have the opportunity to express itself in many ways. It has to have the opportunity to fulfill itself. It has to be able to fill others as it empties itself. But where free will exists, the opportunity for corruption exists too. Where free will and love, though, intersect, those choices can collide with godly love and selfish desires. It is the choice that love makes by nature. So because of free will, the creation started to fall, not unexpected, but expected, and tempered by my unfailing love. The heavenly realms, though, saw corruption too. The corruption of many angelic members of my family, and this led to rebellion and the expulsion of many of the angels. 
and humankind saw this corruption ignited by one that I love so dearly, and his name was Lucifer. He was perfect in all of his ways, yet selfish, and vanity and arrogance influenced him to rebel. And in that rebellion, Lucifer influenced so many of my lovely family to rebel also. Now I would forgive them, but they were unwilling to return to me. So in my unfailing love, I've been walking with humankind on a journey of suffering. Many believe that I've been indifferent to the plight of humankind, the suffering and the loss, but nothing could be further from the truth. I've felt every illness, I've suffered through every loss, and experienced every death. And believe it or not, I've cried every tear, along with humankind. You see, I am a loving God, and cannot and will not leave or abandon my family in any way. I love them, especially you. So before time began, I established a pact with myself that I would offer myself for the redemption of my creation, humankind, my so dearly loved family. And when the time was right, when enough of history had been accomplished, when my people were broken enough to look beyond themselves, I came into to the world to die. But I was never focused on the death of myself through my son. I've always been focused on the life filled with love that was intended from the beginning. Because just like yeast causes bread to rise, love must overcome the ability to choose anything other than me. You see, you were created to be in a perfect, loving relationship with me. And in that relationship, you will find perfection. You'll find perfect peace, love, contentment, purpose, enjoyment, existence. But you have to learn to learn, you have to learn enough to love and to trust. In my perfect love, I chose to enter the world in a way that would remain a mystery for centuries. I came as a helpless infant of an unwed mother, helpless, human, and in love with you. Not to claim your love, but to simply offer mine, willing in my perfect love to sacrifice and to lead you amidst your rebellion back to me. There were two that I did bring together for this purpose, Mary and Joseph. Mary was so young and Joseph was so caring, and I knew that it would not have made much sense to them to tell them any more than I did. I kept them in the dark most of the time, not wanting to create in them a heart of anything less than total devotion to me out of love. Mary and Joseph accepted the lot for their lives, as I knew they would. They learned more and more in every step how to trust me. But this lesson of trust 
was not without immense difficult pain. A pain that I experienced with them. You see, I never leave my children. Never. Well, finally the day arrived for my entrance and the angels in heaven were stunned when I told them that there'd be no fanfare, no news, no royalty, just animals with damp air and a feeding trough. This was a time of tremendous excitement in heaven and on earth, and poor Gabriel, he was just beside himself. He just couldn't stand by without telling someone. So with my blessing, I sent him to visit the shepherds, and they were both stunned and excited, and he was so full of joy and excitement. So I came into the world amidst great pain and suffering, and there were few that realized what was going on, and sadly, a few others that sought to slaughter the masses because of what I might do to their so-called kingdoms. You see, at this point, love had completely collapsed in the human heart and had been overtaken by self-centeredness, hypocrisy, and self-love. Self-love is the product of a heart that no longer focuses on me. It is a heart that is only self-seeking, not sacrificial. In the self-seeking heart, you know, true contentment can never be found, for it does not exist outside of a loving relationship with me. This was the beginning of a very short life that I would live in the physical world that I created. It was a life spent in total anticipation of your acceptance of the love that I brought to the earth, a godly love, a love to renew your heart. This love was not without, though, the highest of costs. It would cost me my life. It would cost me the life of my dear son. It would cost me absolutely everything. Now, I don't expect you to understand what that cost really was. Just understand that I held back nothing and gave up everything. The pinnacle of this love was shown on that lonely night in the midst of the damp cold air. While the animals were restless and Joseph's heart was filled with anxiety. But on that night, Mary just prayed. And on that night, I was filled with loving anguish, looking forward to every person that would eventually say yes to a relationship with me, a restored relationship with me. So on this day of remembrance, at this time of celebration, will you come back to me? Not just in word or motivation, but in heart and in action. Will you give up everything like I have for the sake of what I first created you to experience? My love in a perfect place, in perfect union with me and with each other. So I ask you again tonight, will you choose me?
will you?